0: Hi and welcome to Life Struggles. Today, as promised, we're going to do a Christmas movie review and Melinda is right here with me and we're all dressed up and ready for Christmas and I would just like you to welcome her.
1: Melinda, hi.
0: Hi there, thanks
1: for having me again.
0: Yes, I just love having you so much. Thank you. So, Today, we're going to talk about It's a Wonderful Life, right? Yes. Okay. So my audience, I'm going to be truthful. I have tried to watch it many times. Um, Maybe I'm broken because (laughs) my brother wanted us to watch it every single year. And like nobody could do anything but sit there. (laughs) but I just can't get through the entire thing. Melinda, however, has, and I think you did say it took you a little bit, didn't it?
1: It did. I, I kept hearing about how amazing the movie was, and I literally watched it for like first time just a couple years ago, and then finally bought it last year, I think it was. I just... Maybe it's
0: the buy-in thing. Maybe I got to
1: buy it. <laughs> right no I mean I watched it before I buy and I tried to do that with all movies but I just I don't know you know my stepdad loves this movie and you know so I, I even had that internal like hey you should watch this and I just I just couldn't do <laughs> but when I finally did sit down I, I watched it in black and white though I wouldn't watch in color you know on, like the older movies color.
0: maybe that, yeah, yeah I, I need to see the color
1: you know sometimes that'll do it for people but I know you can get both versions on prime video um i think both of them are free with prime for prime members um but the color yeah but the color i don't know if they charge for the color but they have like certain versions on there that you have to pay for it's like you know the 4k diamond edition or whatever you call it but um yeah i finally did watch it and i'm glad i did there's a lot to be learned from it i feel so can you can you just
0: give us a rundown of what the movie's about who's in it
1: yeah i sure can well the um i have to look at my notes here because i keep forgetting his name the uh director is uh frank capra um and of course the two main characters are uh george and mary um george is played by uh jimmy stewart or james stewart and mary is played by donna reed so so wait a minute is it okay to call him jimmy i don't know like you know i always but i mean i'm younger but i mean i always knew was jimmy stewart but a lot of the stuff that i'd read is called him james stewart so i i think maybe that's just i'm gonna see I what happens
0: know. when i put in jimmy
1: oh i'm sure stuff will come up but yeah i don't know everything like i said everything i mostly yeah, read jimmy was stewart, like james Marie's. make sure it's the same one though yeah i'd be surprised if you come up with a yeah. different another yeah so we
0: can call him Jimmy if we want. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay.
0: So go ahead.
1: Okay. Well, uh, basically how the movie starts um, is you hear a bunch of people, You like you're introduced to the town of Bedford Falls, which is where the movie takes place. And you hear what you uh, find out eventually are friends and family members and acquaintances praying for George because something has gone on you're not exactly sure what's going on at the beginning of the movie which you eventually will find out but you hear all these prayers Mm -hmm. and that it it gets to the heavens where you hear these two angels talking back and forth you know saying we've got another one and this is who it is and this is where clarence george's guardian angel gets introduced and he's kind of quirky um you don't see him you just kind of hear him Um, but they all get together and they are discussing and and all you see is like stars. Like you don't see the angels ahead of time. It's just like, looking up into the heavens on a night, you know, the dark night sky.
0: Confusing me. Okay.
1: Yeah. So, um, they tell Clarence, you know, if if you can save him or if you could help him, you will earn your wings. So, of course, like he says, it's been 200 years since he's been trying. So he wants this job. <laughs> um, so, you know, you get introduced to George as a kid, first off, because, you know, a lot of the stuff that happens in his childhood is what eventually, you know, in his adulthood causes issue or comes into play. So you, you see right off the bat, um, George saving his younger brother from um, drowning. Um, he, he fell through the ice like a sledding accident. He saves him. However, he ends up with uh, going deaf in his left ear because he got a uh, really bad ear infection from that. So that, you know, causes issues for him in his adult life. Um,
0: okay, wait. So what happened
1: to his ear? He, he jumped in the water, the icy right. water to save his brother. Right. And as a result of that, he came down with a bad ear infection and okay. it caused him to go deaf in that ear. Okay. That's just how okay. bad it was. Okay. Yeah. So the movie, you have like that one scene and then it jumps and you see a young George Bailey in this luggage shop who's talking to this guy about this beautiful luggage he wants because he wants to be a world traveler. That is his ultimate goal. Mm -hmm. That's what he wanted out of life. He wasn't wanting to get married or have kids or do any of this stuff. He wants to travel. Mm -hmm. And that through the whole movie is evident. And... um you'll find out that he doesn't really get to travel much. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, yeah, he doesn't get to travel. The yeah. Day. Well, I mean just like you know, it's just life events that happens. You know, it's you he's he's talking about traveling, he's talking about going to college and you know, doing all this stuff. And his dad and uncle have the the bank and, and loan, you know, building there and they are not um a building the loan. I don't know if I said bank. Building loan. They are not the bank. So people come to them who can't get loans at the bank um, to to get help to buy or rent or whatever, a decent home. Um, and you get introduced to a new character at this point.
0: Okay. And I think that's where I started getting confused because he lost some money or something.
1: Yeah. So, um, well, there's a, a couple situations where, you know, you find out from the get-go that, the the building and loan a company is is in trouble which is where you get introduced to uh, potter now he, the but easiest trouble way can, financially yeah like you know um, they they just never make enough money to to cover you know what they're giving you know they're they always say that you know the bailey father was not a businessman that you know he was more giving and, you know, he would take people at their word and, you know, so it was a struggle from the get-go.
0: Okay, so were they borrowing money to give to people who were borrowing money?
1: Well, no, I mean, it was kind of like, um, you, you find out in a later scene that it kind of all is connected. So, you know, they borrowed money to build a home and then they pay some of that money back, you know, monthly as they can but then that money goes over here to another person to be able to buy their home. So there's never a full amount of money in the bank or in their They're building always using Somebody else's money too. Yeah. Learn. Like it's just this big, so yeah. So um, let me make sure I don't get off on my notes. So you get introduced to Potter and he, like I said, his best I can describe him is a slum Lord. He's got you know, he, he's a very rich man, but he, and he owns as much, almost everything in town, except for at the beginning of the movie it, that he doesn't own the bank and he doesn't own the the building and okay. loan company and he wants it. um. But they're there to keep people out of his slum houses, you know, because he's got just all this, all these high rents and all these high payments and people can't afford them. So he evicts some and then in most cases that's when they come over to the Baileys. So you get this right off the bat, um, poor visual of this guy and uh, who plays in as Lionel Barrymore. Okay. And for those who are younger, I, this is something that I ended up learning after we had talked about, we weren't sure who's, like if he was related to Drew Barrymore. So I'm right. looking, if I read it right, it is like her great uncle. Great right, uncle. Yeah. Yeah. So there's your like, your modern name. So it's like this acting dynasty. And he did a lot of work too, but he played this character very well. From what um, I
0: understand, yeah. all the Barrymores were very good at, mm-hmm. at, I mean, like really, really good at the profession. Yes. They just weren't necessarily good in their real life
1: right yeah they, they definitely have their struggles as well
0: a lot okay yeah
1: and and they well you know when I was reading on it they they called it the Barrymore dynasty but his brother John which mm-hmm. is Drew Barrymore's grandfather mm-hmm. they talk about his son which is her dad and they call him like prolific actor and alcoholic like just right, right. there right I up. mean it's yeah. just like right out in the open but if for anybody who's familiar you do know that they they did battle their alcohol. At least I know he did. They all did, and
0: also Drew. Like by the time she was eleven, yes. Um, but she, she, I, I okay. I know we're kind of getting off the subject, but you know, I was doing the same thing. I was looking up stuff, trying to stay interested in the movie.
1: It You're making to, it yeah.
0: much more interesting, by the way, because now oh, i'm I'm getting some stuff, yeah. mm-hmm. but anyway, so when i'm I'm looking up Drew's story,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I you know well, first I looked up to see if how John was related did did we say Lionel
1: Lionel, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
0: and and all that, and John,
1: there's like John senior, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, on down yeah. line,
0: yeah and and so when it gets to Drew, the most interesting part I found, I felt so bad for her. And I love every movie she's ever been in. Yeah, I like her. I mean, in on the set and off the set, she's just a really neat person.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and I think the first one I ever saw her in was E.T. as a little girl. Yeah,
1: that was mine and Firestarter. I was young. But Firestarter.
0: Yeah. Wow. wow. That was
1: she did great in that
0: one. I mean, how do you act that good at five years old?
1: I know. Well, you know, like they said, it's a Barrymore dynasty.
0: Right. <laughs> but obviously she had struggles from the time she was five years old, though. Oh yeah. Um, and I can imagine, like maybe not E.T., because that would probably be fun. But Firestarter, that could do some mental damage. You
1: get some, yeah, I mean, it's a Stephen King novel. So, I mean, you get your.
0: And Stephen King dark kind there. of dark <laughs> to begin yeah. to even write the kind of stuff he does. But, <laughs> right. but yeah, but anyway, um, she actually went to court when she was 11 and yeah. had herself emancipated from her parents. Yeah yeah and she has now I think I I think I read that she's kind of got a relationship with her mom now but never has with her dad
1: yeah it, you may just have to unfortunately cut that negative influence out of your life
0: yeah yeah, yeah. and but I was surprised the it that long ago because I think it was just until about five years ago that I even knew that kids could
1: emancipate themselves. Oh yeah. Like I, that seems young, but uh, so I don't know if they like did it into a care of a, care of another guardian, but I think I was like 16 where you can be like completely on your was
0: own. Completely on her own. That's crazy. I know. And she, she did all kinds of, of things to support herself. Yeah. So yep. crazy. Okay. I know. So, I know I interrupted. Yeah. But oh, I, no,
1: you're fine. I mean, this is what like
0: one, of, one of the interesting things. And I wish I could have got drew on here to, to tell, yeah. you know, her side of it. But we're not talking about that. Anyway, it's just, wouldn't
1: that have been amazing. Um, oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay, so continuing on. So you know, you've got George Bailey, who's this bright eyed, zest for life man. Um, and he gets reacquainted with um Mary um you know they knew each other as kids but and he's automatically just drawn to her like oh my gosh still wanting to do his own thing though so um you move on in the movie and you uh see that uh the oldest Bailey his father has a stroke um and he ends up passing away so he uh George delayed his european trip you know his travels to help take care of things there um and this is where you, you get the impression that, you know, he's not going to make it where he wants to go. Um, Cause as you know, Potter wants to take over this building loan and the, the board was going to just go ahead and let that happen, you know, mm-hmm. let him buy him out and whatnot. And, you know, George, he w- didn't really care. You, you get the impression he didn't really care because he was still going to go and do his thing. But then he has like this really inspirational, like emotional, like, you know, I don't care what you do with it, but just remember these are these people and this is what you're doing to them. And this is why my father did this. And then the board votes him down. Right. And they make George like the main, the main dude. Mm -hmm. And they tell him that the only way that they will not let Potter have it is if he stays. So of course, George stays and you eventually get to the point to where he ends up you know, falling for Mary, they get married. You know, and start up this own little area. And he gives his everything to this town. He starts up, you know, the, the Bailey Farm, so that they don't have to be in the Potter, you know, slum houses. And it eventually gets to a point to where they, you know, they're get, after they get ready to do their honeymoon, and they notice that there's something going on at the bank, something big. Well, again, they were in yeah. trouble financially, and What they do is amazing, it just kind of speaks to both their characters. They take their own honeymoon money and they distribute it to the people who are hearing that, you know, if that they're gonna close, they're gonna lose all their money, they don't have the money for it, which they didn't. So he just gave out, you know, divided up two thousand dollars of his money and gave it out to the people. And it's like, you know it's a loan, but you pay it when you can. It's, you know, he didn't make them sign paperwork or anything. You know, he just went on the goodwill and the word of those people. So
0: you know, what's interesting is to, if that was actually happening in real life, that's actually a federal offense.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, and that's what they kind of touched on that a little bit in the movie. Now, I don't know back in the earlier days, you know, how that all worked out. I don't know if there was ever like regulation or whatnot, you know, but like, you know, you have so much money and you give it out, but then all, you know, if the payments aren't coming in, then you're not going to have enough to cover someone else. And that's where, you know, cause they just weren't paying him back. So that's okay. where the problems arose. Right. Um, so he gets everyone level, they stay open and then things seem to get better. You know, they do the Bailey farms where they get these beautiful little homes and they're building them and the people are able to afford them. And everything is just kind of just going along, going along. And they eventually have children and get this this old house that they fixed up and then they get this beautiful home. And then it seems like just all of a sudden things come to a screeching halt. And I don't know if you I don't know how far you got into it or if you were able to make it all through, but just couldn't quite interest
0: and distracted a lot. So I was on it. Yes.
1: Up. Okay. So the part where it really turns is. You see his uncle, Billy, which was originally, you know, in business with his, George's dad. He's still part of this. Well, you have to kind of pay attention, but it, it looks like he's got the de- beginnings of dementia or just incredibly poor memory. Cause he always has these little things tied to his fingers to remind him. I remember that. Yes. So like he ended up missing their wedding cause he forgot, or he just, you know, is So I got the impression that it was, you know, dementia, but back then they wouldn't have known. No, right. So so he's going to make this $8,000 deposit and he gets distracted by Potter and, um, by some unfortunate event, he accidentally, that money accidentally ends up in this paper that gets folded up and tossed to Potter. So. Potter knows that this money's there and that they need that deposit because or else they're gonna wonder He doesn't let on that he knows about it. So this poor guy is looking all over the place.
0: Okay, see, and that's where I think I got confused because I yeah. I kept remember him saying, I lost, I lost the money.
1: Yeah, which I mean he did, but it could have been easily returned. But because Potter wanted that, he was able to, you know keep that and know that they would go under and then George would go to prison because it's clearly you know so that's where they address the, you know the illegal like just a disappearance of $8,000 of other people's money is just gone right. right Um. so this is where you see a change in George's character um, and I think Jimmy Stewart did a fantastic job of going from this carefree just young bright eyed go get them Man, to this, oh my gosh, it goes to this very dark place. Right? You know, you know he goes when he can't find the money. You know, he really gives his uncle what for, and you can just see like his hair's all disheveled, and you can start to see like a five o'clock shadow. Like, I mean, they really did a good job of making him this dark part of him come out. And you know, he goes home and he takes it out on his family, and then he up and leaves. And that's where the story really i think gets interesting and that's where the lessons really start getting learned from this point on
0: that part until the end like towards towards the end when everybody was anyway go
1: ahead right because you know he's spent like i said he's given his everything to this this town and the people in it and now he's this money is lost and he knows he's Probably going to go to prison. There's no way of coming up with that money. So you see him wander out the door and he ends up on this bridge because, you know, after he he went and visited Potter and he was like, You're worth more dead than you are alive. And it's almost like it plants that seed of doubt in your head. And George is like, All right. And he goes to this bridge and he's contemplating suicide which you know just is incredibly dark place to be Um, yeah um but this is where he gets introduced to Clarence because Clarence finally you know you hear him talking throughout the movie but you never see the angel yes okay so he's on the bridge too he just happens to be there well Clarence jumps in and George of course you know goes in to save him so they're sopping wet and they're at this little place, you know, trying to, you know, get dried off. And there's just something about this. There's a third guy in the scene, but you can just tell there's something about this Clarence guy. He just is like, what is up? You know? And George is just having this awful time. You know, he's his bloody lip and he's cold and he's depressed and he just doesn't want, you know, he doesn't want to live anymore. And he makes that comment. He's like, you know, I wish, you know, the world would be better off without me. Or I, I wish I had never been born. And mm-hmm. Clarence makes that happen. So, yeah, so that's where the movie turns because all of a sudden, George's clothes are dry. They're ready to go out and go, but it's because he was never born. So, yeah, so it's like, plot twist. (laughs) So literally, he goes through this town that is no longer Bedford Falls. It's like Pottersville or something like that because he wasn't there to make those good changes and make a difference for those people in town okay and you know so where he goes to have a drink they don't recognize him they throw him out you know they he goes to his mother she doesn't know who he is he tracks well, does down he look different? no them. well no no it's just okay. like like he was never born so it was just just someone looks the same but they don't know who he is because he never existed okay and so he goes to look up his wife, Mary, and she's, what well, they call her, a, like a spinster. Like she was never married. And, you know, he's trying to convince her that he's like, it's, it's me, it's me. And he goes to their, what should be their house. And it's abandoned like it was before in the first part of the movie. And he hates it. Like everything that he sees that the, the town was, it was just everything that he had worked so hard to prevent his whole life so you you learn he's learning this lesson that you know okay yeah things are bad and I don't want to live but then you know it gives you that opposite side of the fence look it's like okay but this is what it's like if you hadn't been born if you're not here like this is what happens so he decides. you know he has that turning point. He's like you know I want to live and wants to go save we can fix everything? this. Yeah, yeah. So everything goes back. And he's like, Oh my gosh, you know, he reads this and he's like, Oh my gosh, you know me, you know, and he was just, you know, so there the cops are out looking for him, you know, his wife is called all over. And so they're, they're just trying to find him.
0: Disappears, he really disappears.
1: Yeah, it's like nothing had ever happened. He was just some random human being on the I street i mean
0: like you said his like the cops are looking for him and his wife is looking for him so did mm-hmm. he like walk out the door or?
1: yeah i mean it's like he walks out he ends up on the bridge but he's back on the bridge so they're looking for back.
0: him because he walked out and didn't come back home
1: yes and okay. she called the cops the police right as he was leaving because she just this was not him this is okay. not the character you're used to seeing. and like i said just the look in his eye, that like the look that Jimmy Stewart was giving, you could just—he he did so well. I mean, you literally like there's this part in the movie where he just has these wide eyes and he's just like, "Oh my gosh!" And it just kind of gives me the shivers because it's like, "Oh my gosh," it's just, it just—it feels dark, and it just. So anyway, he comes, you know, he's on the bridge. The cops like, you know, hey, they've been looking for you. Get on home. And he goes home, and you find out that the town has banded together to bring in any and all money that they can find and they come in with this big basket and they're just bringing it in and they're bringing it in they're just
0: throwing all their money in yes yes yeah.
1: and then he his friend out of new york i think it is like sends them over like a really good amount of money that will keep them afloat and all is good
0: yeah i remember that part too Can't yes remember the amount but i think it was like five thousand dollars
1: yeah something like that yeah so you're you're at the end of this movie where you know his life is is real like it's real it's it's current time and you know you get everybody in and they're helping and they're singing and then that's where the famous line from the movie comes in because Clarence told him before like if you ever hear a bell ring or a ding or something that means an angel has gotten his wings yeah so when that bell rings yeah, when that bell rings at the end like on that Christmas tree his daughter is like, you know, look daddy teacher says every time a bell rings an angel gets his wings, and he's like, that's right and he's like, way to go Clarence, because Clarence got his wings and became an official yeah. full-fledged angel and they they end the movie with the song Old Lang Syne, which I thought was really cool too. What was the name? Old Lang Syne I guess they, I You sing that on um most, I, I I hear it on um New Year's Eve
0: okay okay yeah
1: yeah Yeah. Yeah. so um yeah it's just and it gives you just a little reminder and it gives you a little bit of lesson like you know things can be incredibly incredibly bad you know but and if you choose not to be here whether it's by your own hand or you just get like this aha moment where you're like oh my gosh if I wasn't here this is how it could be this movie is what that's about
0: okay so did the movie live up to your expectations then
1: oh yeah it was good honestly though like I never realized that there was the aspect of suicide because they don't come right out and say it right um so had I watched it as a kid I probably wouldn't have understood um because I was just like oh I heard that he has this thing where he gets to see how life was without him Mm -hmm. but it never clicked how you know how he got to that point um but you know, like I said, that Potter character puts it in his head, like you're worth more dead than you are alive. That's
0: cool. Yeah. It, it doesn't, to me, it didn't seem like something that children would understand.
1: Yeah. No, you know, it's it,
0: in there. There's not, it's not really about those kids that are in there.
1: Yeah. No. And the only time, I mean, you really see them as a whole in the scene, I think they've got, yeah, they've got four kids. Four. Yeah, so you got the oldest one, you know, and the and the girls playing the the oldest girls playing the piano, and the youngest one just playing around. But that part where he's literally falling apart in that chair, and he grabs his son, and it's just like kissing him and hugging on him, and you could just see that pain in his face, but you could still see the love for his kids, even though he was just being horrible to them. It it was it was kind of heartwarming, you know. And then he's got the little one upstairs who was running a fever and had to be seen by the doctor there at home. And he just has this tender moment with her, and but it just kind of goes to show you you have those moments. But after that scene, he was off contemplating ending his life, and that's like I said, that's where the lessons are learned.
0: Okay, so um,
1: what is
0: one good? or a bad thing that stuck to you out to you in the movie?
1: I think it's probably the fact that they addressed but well, not addressed, but they they gave a hint to the suicide. You know, I just it it kind of really took me by surprise. Cause you know in a Christmas movie, I guess you kinda of wouldn't think of that. Right. I don't even think it would have been. Most of Chris
0: movies are always like, it's always going to end up happy and everything's going to yes. be.
1: Yes,
0: yeah. And if you deal with pretty this, deep in a Christmas movie. But
1: yeah, and I mean, for the time too, it was oh, wait, in 1946. It's hmm?
0: But it's Thanksgiving.
1: No, I mean like in 1946, uh, 1946 when this movie was made. So it's like at that time, that was kind of a subject that would, I mean, it's still kind of taboo today, but like even then is like the stuff you don't talk about. But I feel like had they not put in that line from Potter about him being worth more dead alive, I don't even think it would have had that element of darkness. I would have even probably thought twice about it, Mm -hmm. watching it. But then you see him like go off and do that. But another thing that also sticks out with me is I like the lesson learned and that people will come through for you if you have helped them before, you know, without judgment, without, you know. Throwing them out on their rears if they can't make their payment, you know, and you know, it, it, one of the lines that Jimmy Stewart says as George Bailey's character, you know, it talks about how Potter said, you know, they needed these people needed to wait to, you know, raise five thousand dollars to be in a decent home, and George Bailey's like, wait, wait for what? He's like to have a like a roof over their head, a nice bed to sleep in, or you know, comfortable. Why, why should they have to wait for that if you can help them now? Right you know, it's difficult for the working man to raise, raise $5,000. And you think of that money back then, Think of it now too, no, it's like, yeah. that's a lot for like, for uh, my husband and I and our family, that's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. You throw that back in the 1940s. Right. A lot a of money. Lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's, those are kind of the, like, there was, there was good and there's bad, but those are what I kind of took, you know, the points kind of stood out for me.
0: Okay. Um, what, um, life struggle since we're talking about life struggles do you think that affected George Bailey the most
1: um I think it was his need and want to help any and everybody over himself you know and he probably didn't really realize it at the time that it could potentially do damage to him I think he just wanted to do as much good as he can or he could regardless of the outcome. So I don't know exactly what, like, if there was any, like a specific word for it, but the need to always try to fix things or make things right for someone. I feel like that really led to where the, he got to be in that deep, dark place where he felt like there wasn't any hope or that he wasn't worth trying to save himself. You know, he was always willing to help someone else. But when it came to him, it's like he gave up pretty quick, I feel.
0: Did you happen to look up any
1: reviews on it? You know, I, that's one thing I did not do because I, 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 I've only ever heard good. So I, I never even really thought to look up reviews.
0: Let me see here. In the meantime, um, what about, did you look up, like you just said how you felt? hmm um, his life struggle was, but I wonder maybe you can look it up at the same time I'm looking the other part up. Um, if they actually would describe his life struggle in that movie.
1: Oh, like how they would explain it, mm-hmm. kind of? Yeah. Let's see here. Let me go here real quick because, you know, it's, I mean, there's probably a, a decent well, I don't want to say Wait, There's well, a lot well, of. This, hmm. I feel like there's a lot of struggles that he does go through.
0: Yeah. So I was going to do reviews, but okay. Uh, well, but like, if you put, if you Googled, what life struggle did George Bailey have in the movie, mm-hmm. or the or the what was his biggest life struggle?
1: Yeah, I can try that.
0: And I'll and I'll do the reviews here.
1: Okay, maybe.
0: Let's
1: see here. I feel like I've looked up this thing so much that it's going to start trending at some point. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Trying to do so much research on it, and oh my gosh! Well, maybe
0: you'll help. You know they still get paid every time somebody watches that
1: there we go okay I
0: I did remember when I because remember it popped up when I when I looked up on our last podcast the um 10 most popular Christmas movies
1: or Mm -hmm. holiday
0: movies and it was number one yes that was like so shocking and at that time I remember looking up um well, I hit on it or something but for rotten tomatoes had given it 94% and for rotten oh. tomatoes to give that high they don't do that so okay i mean no they don't i mean there's a usually 25 30 they they're, they're oh, really? really 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 hard on movies on movies so, yeah so that seemed to me like that was really good um, let's see here
1: so well, I'm going to about- read it. Read a oh, couple go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. i do
0: that. So this was, this was just recently. So they're still watching it, see? You
1: see? Oh, there you go.
0: Okay, so this guy gave him a five star. Said, I'll cry 20 times, but warm with laughter and glee, double that number in the two and a half hours that make up director Frank Capra's joyous tale of heaven, humanity, and hope. You think that kind of describes what the whole movie's about? Oh,
1: yeah, absolutely.
0: And then um, the next one is also a five star. And this gentleman says, This is the all time greatest film about America's heart, a film you can never forget. Built as a Christmas time classic, the film is at the same time a great kaleidoscope of what made america it's working middle class the greatest the world ever knew yeah and then one more i mean i'm not gonna go because there's a lot of them but i'll just just read one more this was just two weeks ago
1: oh okay so really present one <laughs> uh-huh.
0: It's a Wonderful Life is rightly stated as one of the greatest films of all time, and it is certainly Frank Capra's best film. This film, above all his rest, managed to capture the exact tone he seemed to be trying to establish with all of his other films. Where others, he could fall on the sides of melodramatic or corny at times. This is never the case in this film. Capra strikes the right balance, as he does have some sweet moments in there, but overall, it's actually a depressing story of a man who fails to live out many of his dreams, sacrificing it at all, at his own choice for the common good. The film brilliantly builds up to its supernatural climax, which comes in a surprisingly effective fashion. The performances are uniformly excellent with James Stewart giving his career best performance, which is really saying something. It is really is the film Capra spent his whole career building to as it is the perfection of his style. It is also proof that a happy ending can be just as effective as a sad ending as this has one of the greatest endings of all time.
1: I agree with that. Just it leaves you feeling good. <laughs> At least it did for me.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's that's. I, I I feel like I need to watch more movies that the producer did, Frank Capra.
1: Yeah, you know, my father-in-law, um, he's like a never-ending supply of information like you can name any like film uh, actor or actress from like the 40s and 50s and he can tell you when they were born where they were born when they died and where they died and like all these movies I'm just like oh my word like the wires kind of short out my brain because he just knows so much about it and he knew he knows some of Capra's movies it's
0: like everyone I'm looking at though is old in the movie the ones that he directed.
1: Oh yeah. I mean they're you're looking in the forties. Thirties? Yeah. Well, you know, the uh Rosa uh
0: it said that he was an American motion picture director who was the most prominent filmmaker of the nineteen thirties.
1: Yeah, uh Leonard uh Barrymore. Um wait, what, are, what I call Lionel. It? Lionel, thank you. Um he was born like 1878. So you've got older actors in there. So, I mean, that's not surprising that a lot of his movies are older.
0: Okay. Well, anyway, what did you find?
1: So I found, you know, I found a few things. They're, they're kind of tying it in with uh, Jimmy Stewart's real life, which really? he, yes, which he, you know, he dealt with a lot of stuff. You know, he, you know, we'll get to that in a minute, but he did enlist in the military and, you know, he, you know, did his time in the military and, you know, you end up finding out that he, you know, came back with PTSD. But so they kind of all tie it in. But you know, he suffers from the anxiety, poverty. You know, you've got the bullying of, you know, Potter's character. You know, towards, you know, uh, Jimmy Stewart's character. You know, and not just his character, but the older, um, his father, uh, George Bailey's father. You see uh, one of the first couple scenes in the movie where he's in there, you know, kind of badgering this guy, you know, into selling or, you know, you're not a businessman, mm-hmm. you know, so there's just all these, and then, you know, stress of being a, a businessman, the stress of being a husband, a father, you know, and everyone's counting on him in this town to keep them out of, you know, what would be considered Potter's Village, you see at the alternate universe mm-hmm. that happens. So he, he's got a lot on his plate. And it, it's amazing at how well he handled that up until that point. But, you know, with the previous fact that, you know, they always seem to be somewhat short on money when people needed it or when they the payments need to be made to the bank or, you know, or whatever. You know, they still kept he still kept the good spirits about it. But that last one there was just like that was the breaking point.
0: Right.
1: And like I said, the big turn of the movie.
0: Okay. Okay. Um, let's see here. Question. Okay. Um I guess, did you know that It's a Wonderful Life was the first movie James Stewart did after he returned from the military?
1: That was not until I did research that I found that out. Wow. Yeah. And, you know, it was kind of funny because my father-in-law made the comment that, you know, he had read that it had been difficult for Jimmy Stewart to get back into Hollywood, not only just because he suffered from, you know, his time in the military, but his looks weren't the same you you spent four years away and you're in you know the armed forces it just he was very skinny and gray when he came back and this is at the time where um that you had like uh kirk douglas you know he was getting big and he was this toned, good looking man yeah. yes you had all these men that were and that's not how he looked I mean he right. just came back from fighting overseas,
0: you know, and so did, did you happen to was he actually fighting in a war?
1: What war was yeah, it? he he was a, a pilot and he I, I was reading this book here from it's called um Pieces of Time, The Life of James Stewart by Gary Fishgold. Okay. And I think it's a good picture of him. We'll have
0: to um remember to put that in the at the yeah. bottom of our thing, So
1: yeah. Um, yeah, I got. I did have a lot of time to read the book, but I went through because my father-in-law is the one that actually told me that he enlisted in the military and actually did like was in charge of missions. And I'm like, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? Like this, this Hollywood actor is, yeah, you know, I want, I want to look at charge of all these people. Okay,
0: because I want to see where we can tell everybody to get it if they want to read it oh okay yeah i I literally
1: found this at a garage sale for my father-in-law like over the summer didn't think anything of it then he brought it down you have
0: to go to what's the name of that place it what's the name of that website that people go to to sell things and they're usually old stuff and you can like look up
1: i i buy a lot from thrift books that is a really good place to find that's a website books yeah they have an app too yeah
0: But that's not what I was thinking of. but Yeah, I'm
1: not. I mean, like. hmm?
0: What's the name of the book?
1: It's called Pieces of Time. The Life of James Stewart. But, you know, in here, it like I said, it talks about his military service. And, you know, the fact that he had multiple missions and was successful and And then eventually, you know, anxiety and nerves kind of took over. And that's where it ended up leading to what he dealt with after.
0: Okay. So uh, eBay is what I was thinking of.
1: Oh, eBay. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's probably on eBay too.
0: It is. So it's on Mm thriftbooks.com and eBay okay, and world of books.
1: I've ordered from them before too. Yes,
0: and then hmm, it's in an audio book on Google Play. So,
1: nice.
0: Yeah. So, and then abebooks.com. That's pretty expensive.
1: You know, I've not, I've, I've not is. ordered from Abe's Books, uh, but I I wanted to say. I kind of feel like they're like a higher end. I think they're going to have like your really good qualities or like your first editions, but like a lot of their books are super expensive. So I think there's something special about the books that they That's sell. Easy. But I have ordered from books from eBay, Thrift Books, Goodreads, and World of Books, and I've had nothing but good experiences. So if you know the listeners are looking for books on any one of those websites, it's it's good. Like I personally have had good experience and no issues.
0: This is so weird though. So on A Books, it's twenty three ninety one. Okay. And then on Thrift, it's like six ninety nine.
1: Yeah. So I don't know what the the product description so is, is on the, used, the book.
0: Is Thrift books is that used?
1: Yeah, and now I think they do have new. Um, but um, it's mostly used books in good condition very good condition used condition but even like we've had a fair condition book and i've i mean it's like maybe a crease on the front it's nothing i've never had anything that i could not read
0: from there okay so this that is for and they've only got four left of the new one that has and then they've got 54 used at three dollars and 80 cents
1: yeah. And their shipping on thrift books is like 99 cents.
0: And this shipping is free.
1: Yeah. And you can also get, um, you can earn points as well, which is why I like doing it. Cause you get like $5 for a free book. Really? And so anything free, when you say free book to me, I'm like, hello. <laughs> Cause I love to read.
0: I used, I used to, that's all I used to ever do was read when I had the time.
1: Yeah. I mean, I like to read. I don't get to read as much as I would like to, but when when I have the time.
0: When I had my last child, I just didn't have enough time to read.
1: Yeah. Well, you get busy. Yeah,
0: You know, though, but my oldest was busy and, but she read a lot. Mm -hmm. And so we, you know, that's what we did at night instead of turning on the TV. Yeah. But yeah, Ryan's, Ryan's not a book reader. So he's my I,
1: I'm yeah I'm I'm the main book reader in my house I mean my oldest Ella she'll read book every now and then like she got into the Harry Potter stuff and you know but
0: she's working. Well, the I had to agree. so talking about reading books um when I was able to read a lot of books I read a lot of like, Danielle still um uh oh gosh what's the name of the guy that wrote the new the notebook oh my gosh uh, oh books have the um, movies
1: uh nickel uh, uh, Nick, sparks there it is yes i you know I
0: and joanne lindsley but nicholas sparks has i like to read his books and then every one of them turned into a movie every single yeah. book he's ever written has been yeah. a movie and they're good movies
1: I love the notebook.
0: I all of all of his movies are good. All of his books are good, but so I like to read the book and then watch the movie. Yes, to see same here how good they put the movie together. And mm-hmm. I don't know if he gets to choose who directs his movies and who acts in them or what, but they're always really good.
1: Yeah, um, I've only ever seen the notebook that I know is his bit, oh my God. and and you find out that the two main characters of real life were not fans of each other but the chemistry in that movie was just amazing right so they they did well (laughs) okay um so what war did you say it was i believe it's world war ii 40 in the 40s so yeah we're talking that
0: war lasted because i was thinking my dad was in that one
1: four years i'm going to tell you what history is not my strong suit let me look here because it says may 7th 1945 the war in europe came to an end so 44 look here for other dates 43 42 he was promoted to first lieutenant in early july of 1942 yeah yeah world war ii i don't know the exact start date but it says in 42 he was so i i I don't know why i think it's like four some odd years we'll have to look that up
0: okay so it it started in 1939 and it ended in 1945. oh okay so you're looking at six years oh my my dad couldn't have been in that one Yeah, it had been too young. So whatever one came after that. Okay. Well, so we got that one. And then I think I just had one more question. Um, Okay. Were you aware that James Stewart, who will remind everybody played George Bailey, right? Mm -hmm. Suffered from PTSD as a result of his time in the military. So
1: that is, yes, that is one thing I did know. And that was through just hearing information from my stepdad and my father in law. And I, you know, I did go research it. I I have a psychology degree. Mm-hmm. So that stuff always intrigues me. Um,
0: so did they actually call it that back then? Or was that like later in his life that he was still going through stuff that they diagnosed it?
1: Yeah. Back then, they didn't know what it was. I think they called it shell shock back in the day. Oh, wow. um, but, you know, the official name for it these days is you can now tell it is post-traumatic stress disorder. right um so yeah he he suffered greatly from it you know like i said earlier they took him off of missions it was an unofficial and that was everything that i've talked about that i got from this book okay. it said that they had unofficially taken him off of you know flight missions where he was in charge just because his nerves and his anxiety you know he'd be anxious and, and who wouldn't be before being in charge of men going into battle, you know, in planes. Um, and you just have those, you know, those bad situations that sometimes will derail a person. So after the war was done, he, he came home and, you know, and, and got back into movies, but the people around him had noticed that he physically had changed. You know, he was gray and just skinny and just, you know fidgety and nervous, and I mean, even his appetite was affected you know on you know they were saying that he was eating like ice cream and peanut butter because it's literally all he could keep in him, and you know he would just you know have nightmares and he would just have the struggles and I kind of feel like though you can you can see some of that in his acting in his movie, like I said, there's that one moment where he's just got this huge look in his eyes and it just seems dark and in the parts where he has, where he's emotional or he's angry and he's portrayed that it kind of makes it intrigues me to know if he used some of that, that he brought back from war as not like, if he incorporated some of those feelings or some of that fear that he was experiencing from the war into like the emotions right. of those scenes, right. Right. but you know, he, he struggled, you know, onset and offset in his personal life with the PTSD you know, and he continued to make movies, um, but, you know, it just, it's, it's something that he struggled with. And, you know, like I said, you know, you know, to be told it is shell shock and there was, you know, there's no treatment back then. Like there is now for that stuff. And, you know, it, it's just something that I feel like they just kind of battled through. Wow. Yeah. It's gotta be scary. I couldn't even imagine
0: so, but we we have to remember though that PTSD is not just about war. No, because so many people believe that that's that if if you went if you go to war you're going to get PTSD or you know if somebody right. has PTSD oh they must have been in some kind of war. But right, uh, and that's how it started out.
1: Oh yeah, I think most of the cases of that were linked to that. And I feel like that kind of set the ground work for diagnosing that, because it could be any traumatic experience that causes you ongoing anxiety and issues. Um, You know, it could, you know, it could be the death of a loved one, whether it's, you know, tragic or not, you know, you know, to give an example, you know, I, I was there when one of my grandfathers passed away, I was holding his hand. Now that could have gone one or two ways for me. I felt peace and I mean, I was sad, but I felt peace in it, that he was, you know, no longer in the situation he was in. He was, you know, free of all that pain, but for someone else that could have been a completely traumatic experience for them that could have affected them what years on afterwards. And you could get a diagnosis of PTSD for that as well. It's you're right. It's not just for people who are in the military and, and see battle; it, it can have, be for anybody.
0: I have a very traumatic. It was very traumatic to me. Event that happened, and to this day, that particular thing affects me. But not like there's 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 people that I've interviewed. There's people that I know in person that I talk to and stuff that have PTSD. That are really, really, really bad. Yes. And don't ever get any better, no matter what.
1: Yeah, it, it seems like it's a massive disruption to and their everyday life. Yeah.
0: Okay. So mine was so my daughter was four. So we're we're talking 40 years ago. Um any anyway, they didn't you didn't have child seats then oh yeah you didn't have seat belt laws any of that stuff and I had picked her up after work and was going home and she was in the back seat standing up with her arms up on the do most of the cars even have that anymore I don't think so on like the bars or no there was no bars no in the, back back that long ago 40 years ago in your back seat there was you know like the front of your Car where you have the dashboard, then there's a like uh-huh. right behind the back seat. And oh the, yeah, I don't know what you call it now, but yeah,
1: it's like a back dash or something. A like back that. dash. My, we'll my, call my father-in-law's that. vehicle. He he has one of those.
0: Yeah, well, so whatever that was called. So she was standing up there, you know, like this, and um watching, you know, around while we were driving. And so we were going through a green light, and a car come this way uh ran the red light going 45 miles an hour hit the right side of my car it flipped this I didn't even see it coming at all right um but when it hit it it made my car spin Mm -hmm. and when I spun I spun into another car that was oncoming Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and hit that car then that threw me into a ditch we rolled two times
1: Oh and then this
0: yeah and then landed um no another car that was trying to avoid us in that other lane hit us too while we were uh-huh. rolling which then tipped it that way so we just went every which way and then ended up landing on all four wheels um the car was so bashed up that you couldn't get out Oh yeah. So, and, um, there was gas leaking everywhere and it was about to explode. Oh, and my daughter was knocked out. She was unconscious laying in the back seat.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I don't know if it was my adrenaline that anyway, I didn't feel like there was anything wrong. I just needed to get out of that car, get her out of that car. Mm-hmm. And uh there was somebody that came up and just broke a window while the, mm-hmm. they were waiting for the ambulance to come and they helped me out. And then we got her out and ran, ran with her. This guy did that helped us out, ran with her over to this other building across the highway and it exploded. Like oh just...
1: my goodness.
0: Um so of course then the ambulance was there, you know, and they took us to the hospital and still like you know, we're I'm having them, you know, check my daughter. Now she did wake up in the mm-hmm. ambulance and everything, but they, they kept asking me, you know, you okay. You okay. And I'm like, I'm fine. I'm fine. Just take care of my daughter. Right. And come to find out my, my daughter had just a, a very slight concussion, uh-huh. but she was, I remember that she was thrown to the front and then back to the back again.
1: Oh my goodness.
0: Um, Cause she went right through that middle. Mm -hmm. Um, but I ended up with 16 broken ribs.
1: (laughs) It's gotta be adrenaline. Like the first thing you think of. They kept me
0: in the hospital and she was released, but they kept me in the hospital. And I was like, really? Because she was the one that was being thrown around and everything. And she was the one that was knocked out. And yeah, it had, it had to be, well, I was trying to actually fight the car the whole time. You know, That's probably where it, a lot
1: of the injuries from. Bring it came back
0: into and, and try to avoid these other cars. and. But anyway, to this day, and people will gripe about it and it doesn't matter, but to this day, I will not, I don't care that the light's green, I slow down and almost come to a stop to look to make sure nobody's coming through.
1: I don't blame you. That's kind you. of a
0: PTSD thing.
1: Yeah, I mean, you... I don't freak out you to this day right well you know it there's I don't even think it necessarily has to be a freak out I just feel like if it is a a a disruption to your everyday life that causes you whether it's panic or worry or fear or whatever I mean I can see that you know and I'm very careful about stuff like that too because I did have my best friend who was killed in a car accident I was pregnant with my son and she was my world I mean we're, we're talking from like little itty bitties on up Mm -hmm. you know and I'm the same way to this day I mean and and it wasn't even like the situation of how their accident happened they hit black ice and crossed the median and they hit a semi Uh. and it and it killed her and he survived you know her husband survived but it's not even that it's just I am so hyper aware when I drive now I do the same thing yeah I see a green light but you can best bet but I'm checking both ways and yeah. even if I'm at a stop I don't I don't and,
0: actually stop going through it but like before I'm even there I'm already looking both ways yes. and slowing way down and oh, you know, yeah. somebody in the car will go what are you doing and I'm like it doesn't doesn't matter people run lights they just do uh,
1: I've saw I told my husband today I saw two people in town run red lights and literally in the last month even in that construction zone I've seen probably a total of five people who start paying attention yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, but, you know, it's, I, I'm glad now that there's a proper diagnosis for this, because you think of all the people like James Stewart, who probably suffered a lot silently. I mean, you probably even know half of it and it, there was nothing that could be done.
0: But see, I think they have to, it has to be, I mean, I thought mine was really traumatic, but um I didn't have nightmares about it later on. Um things didn't bring up memories about it later on. I was just I've just always been extra careful going through life. Yeah, so I really wouldn't call that PTSD.
1: Yeah. But you know, it, it may be like a a potential symptom of like m- multiple symptoms that you would, would need, like in order to be diagnosed with that. You know, that could be just Stemming from the anxiety of what you have experienced, even to this day, yeah. it makes you nervous. So, yeah, I,
0: I get nervous with other people driving because they don't look.
1: Oh yeah, yeah the <laughs> they just go drive. zooming
0: through those green lights, and I'm like, huh. so yeah, it's a little, you know, it's a little bit there. But I, I, I still believe that I, I, I got my degree in psychology too. I wouldn't diagnose with somebody from what I do. I would call it just being extra careful.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So. Well, you know, we were talking about the, um, the director yes. of the book and he actually, there's a quote from him on the back of the book and I just wanted to read it because, oh, what's it say? um, cause you know, he came back from war and was, you know, having physically having trouble and, and mentally having trouble, but he was still able to put out this amazing role so it says here this is from frank capra says he's the easiest man to direct i've ever seen a man who gets what you're talking about in just a few words you wonder if you've told him enough about the scene and yet when he does it there it is i think he's probably the best actor who's ever hit the screen oh so he just even though he, he was dealing with all of those struggles and coming back to hollywood being very different you know, you had your Henry Fonda's and your Kirk Douglas. Yeah, yeah. And he was still able to find a place for himself and put out some amazing roles. And maybe that's where,
0: I mean, he got that, you know, he got so good at it is because of, that.
1: yeah, well, you know, I came across the clip. Uh, this was when I first had, uh, after I first watched the movie and, and then my stepfather told me, you know, that he was, you know, the military and the, you know, the planes and planes and he had had ptsd i went you know just kind of looking for interviews and stuff just because and i like johnny carson yeah <laughs> um i like watching like the old his old shows but he had jimmy stewart on later in life um and he read this poem about his dog really and i cried like a baby because the dog had passed away oh. so if you get a chance to see it, it, you want to kind of see what he's like off screen it was a very emotional moment and it just made me love him even more because i think he's a great actor how do you find johnny
0: carson's old shows
1: just t- go to youtube and type in like jimmy stewart dog poem or jimmy stewart and um, johnny carson just something along those lines i can't remember well i typed in but you'll find it or i can or find it, send it to you it's on youtube and it's just a clip of him talking about that but you could just yeah you got to see like a real a real view of him on this show and it just you know confirms what you know Frank Capra said here he just he's just legit seems like a just awesome person and good at what he does and so yeah it's It's a little heartwarming yeah I don't think
0: I've I've ever read anything negative negative about his acting.
1: Ever. Right, and you know it always seems like his roles are like I don't. I find a lot of us me that he did play like a bad guy in one of the. In uh, apparently, we've watched it together. I don't remember. Oh no, <laughs> but, that's not possible. Uh, well, and that's. I, uh, but he showed me a lot of uh, like old spaghetti westerns and just regular old westerns and a, a, a just a bunch of older stuff. Like we watched so much stuff <laughs> that I'm trying to remember it all. You know, um, but like i i just feel like he's known for the good guy rules because even in his darkest moments in this movie he was never a bad guy even when he was having the thoughts of suicide even when he was yelling at his wife and kids he was you know
0: he was a bad still... guy when he was finagling money
1: well i don't think that's <laughs> how they want how they wanted it portrayed it wasn't that they were doing anything illegal but I mean, yeah, if you look at it now, if someone were to be doing that now, like, oh, no, no, no. But back then, like I said, <laughs> there's probably no regulations or rules or whatnot. That's just right. how they did it. Right. But um, so, yeah, it. I just feel like he's just so good at the. At, at the good guy rules.
0: OK, well, we're going to go ahead and end this one. If, is there anything that you want the audience to know that we haven't talked about?
1: Um. I mean, not really. I mean, obviously I would recommend the movie, you know, check it out. And like I said, if you're like me, it could take you a couple of times or it could take you a couple of years. Could, you know. <laughs> but I'm hoping that the stuff that we discussed- you're not damaged in- like
0: me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, right. But you know, it, it, you never know. It could help someone who's struggling. You know, I mean, it just kind of gives us this, this different perspective, you know, to people who are in that dark spot. So I'm hoping maybe- if there's someone who's struggling on watching it or who can't quite get into it, I'm hoping maybe what we talked about today kind of maybe sparks a little bit of interest and they can it check it me. out. It well, it good, has, maybe. Just, just so you
0: know, it has me because you know when I got bored of parts, I would like start looking up stuff or whatever. So I didn't, I missed some of those things you were talking about, which sounds interesting to me.
1: So yeah, because I mean, it ties in, you know, Capper did a really good job tying it all together. And yeah, I mean, there's parts like if you miss it and it gets brought up and you're like, okay you know it's it just it's i don't know it's just so well put together
0: well i'm i'm glad
1: and thank you so much
0: for doing this review the next one is my choice yes and it'll be totally different
1: yes (laughs) (laughs) um
0: but i'm i'm excited to do it i'm gonna watch it again tonight so this one's recorded
1: yeah okay you get access to it
0: (laughs) it is recorded so I have I can go back and forth but so we I'm not going to tell it's going to be a
1: surprise yay people will have to tune in to the next one then to find out what it is
0: yep that's right okay well thanks everybody for listening and if there's any kind of movie that you would like us to watch and um give a review on it or give our opinions on it or just talk about it please let us know and yes. again tell the audience where you can be reached
1: um i am on oh my goodness i'm on instagram um and i believe it's mama weigel i'm gonna have to verify that because i i think that's my name or it's my full name melinda weigel you put one of those in, you're gonna find me by the
0: way she doesn't get on there very much because she doesn't like my posts
1: uh oh, oh I'm I'm bad about it. I got to know you don't
0: get on very much because you would like oh yeah. It yeah. Yeah.
1: I need to I need to turn my notifications on. I'm just bad about it. Oh, my gosh. But I and mean, I am I don't have
0: mine on, I just check it because yeah. it would go off all the time.
1: Yeah, and that's gonna be the easiest place to find me. Like, you know, I am on Facebook, but I I post I a lot more on more. there. Yeah, I like it better on Instagram. So we will, you know, you can tag Especially me on it. Especially for just
0: podcasting. Um, And really, that's the only reason you guys need to get a hold of one of us if you want to be interviewed or if you have a question about one of our podcasts. Um, So she's Mama Weagle, and I am struggling her. So my name is Christy Collier, and that's Melinda Weagle. And we just really um, appreciate you listening to us. You can uh, listen on any platforms that have podcasts, just so you all know. Um, We're actually sponsored by Spotify, which is one of the bigger ones, but it's also on all of the Apple podcasts and Google podcasts so doesn't matter if you have Samsung or or Apple either one you can find us there but Spotify is who we are sponsored by so make sure that you get Spotify you can always get it free it's not going to cost you and um, we will see you well no we're not going to see you. You might see us, though. Maybe, yes. And we're hoping to get the next one out by Friday. Yes. Or on, I should say, on Friday.
1: Yes. Well, happy Thanksgiving to everyone. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Love you. And we will talk to you soon. Bye, everyone.